you a healthcare professional who would like to hear from experts in the field of pain care? Or maybe you are caring for a family member who is experiencing pain or health challenges and you would like more information. Perhaps you are a healthcare educator who wants to better inform your students or staff. Then you are in the right place. This is Faces of Pain Care, the show where we interview experts in the field of pain care. And now, the co-creator of the Wong Baker Faces Pain Rating Scale and the executive director of the Wong Baker Faces Foundation, Connie Baker. Hello and welcome to Faces of Pain Care. I am your host, Connie Baker. Today we're going to talk about frequency-specific microcurrents, FSM. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? On a previous Faces of Pain Care podcast, I interviewed Dr. Ellen Rosenquist, a pain medicine specialist at Cleveland Clinic. She was excited about the outcomes they were seeing after using frequency-specific microcurrents, and I was intrigued. As soon as we were finished talking, I began searching for more information on Dr. Carolyn McMakin's website, FrequencySpecific.com. I even found a practitioner a mile from my office. I contacted Dr. McMakin and she graciously agreed to join us on Faces of Pain Care. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Carolyn McMakin developed frequency-specific microcurrent in 1996 and began teaching it in 1997. She has a part-time practice, consults with treat and treats professional teams and elite athletes, does clinical research, and teaches FSM seminars in the U.S. and abroad. She has lectured at the National Institute of Health and at conferences on fibromyalgia and the differential diagnosis and treatment of chronic pain syndromes in the U.S., Australia, England, and Germany. She has authored seven peer-reviewed articles, four book chapters, and two abstracts in the areas of chronic pain and differential diagnosis. Her textbook, Frequency-Specific Microcurrent in Pain Management, was published by Elsevier in 2010. Her book, The Resonance Effect, How Frequency-Specific Microcurrent is Changing Medicine, was published by North Atlantic Books in 2017. I read The Resonance Effect this weekend, and I was captivated. It is rich with stories of the development of this technology and the people it has helped, and I highly recommend it. Dr. McMakin, I am thrilled for you to be joining us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Connie. It's delightful. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. I'm really excited about what you're doing. Well, tell me a little bit about how this was developed and and, uh, what brought you to uh, begin working with frequency-specific microcurrents. Well, I graduated from chiropractic college when I was 47 years old. I graduated in 1994, started practice. And I had a microcurrent machine in my office. And my boyfriend um, at the time was a chiropractor who had worked with an osteopath. And this osteopath bought a practice in 1946 that came with a machine that was made in 1922. Wow. That, yeah. That, there was thousands of physicians using electromagnetic therapies from about 1908 to about, 19, about 1934. And um, in 1917, the AMA decreed that electromagnetic therapies, herbs, nutrition, homeopathy, any anything except for drugs and surgery was not the way that medicine was going to practice. And anybody that used those 
alternative medicine methods would lose their license to practice, which at that time was granted by the AMA. So the machines all went in the back room or on the trash heap, and when they went in the back room, they got covered up by a sheet. So Harry Van Gelder was an osteopath, walked, bought this clinic when he moved from England to the U.S., bought the clinic in 1946, walked in the back room, and there's a machine with a sheet over it. He pulls the sheet off, and it was made in 1922, and it's got a list of frequencies. So being a curious Dutchman, he started using the machine, started using the frequencies, observed effects, and actually became quite famous um, in the western half of the United States and virtually all of Canada um, because of his results in very serious conditions, including cancer. I, FSM and I don't treat cancer, but Harry did. So um, uh, he... George Douglas went to work with Harry in uh, Ojai, California for three months, came back to Portland in 1986 with this list of frequencies, put them in a drawer. He and I got together in 1991, 92, and when I graduated from school, he bought me this channel microcurrent machine. Mm -hmm. And then in 96, 95, stumbled across the piece of paper with the frequencies on it in a drawer. He's kind of a pack rat. So wow. we hauled the frequencies out, and we looked at it, and he said, well, this machine has two channels like that microcurrent machine. I wonder if the frequencies would work. I don't know. Let's see. So we started using it on ourselves, and then we started using it on my difficult patients in the clinic because at that point I had left lectured on fibromyalgia and myofascial pain for Portland State University. And that was beginning to be the focus of my practice. So um, we started using the frequencies in the clinic in 95, working together in 96, I started using it on my own. And we had a, a machine that had graphite gloves with it to do facials because I was new in practice and I wanted a little something extra. So um, we, I used the graphite gloves and the frequencies on this patient that had myofascial trigger points in his neck that were making him dizzy. And uh, um, it, was, it was just inspiration, basically, just desperation. Yeah. Yeah. I'd been working on the manual for three months and he wasn't getting anywhere. And so the frequencies and the current combined turned his neck muscles to pudding and it was a visit fix it was done wow so after that we started using the frequencies and um, back then we used the graphite gloves now we just um, hook the machine up to warm wet towels and um, so we started with just myofascial trigger points I was a manual trigger point therapist I'm a chiropractor mm -hmm. um, and it's Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. we figured out how to treat nerve pain. There's a frequency to reduce inflammation. There's a frequency for the nerve. Well, everybody knows that painful nerves are inflamed, so we ran inflammation in the nerve, and sciatica and radiculopathy just go away, 20 to 30 minutes, and then you had time to heal the disc and keep the patient out of pain. Mm -hmm. 99, we figured out that patients with full body pain, we call fibromyalgia, who got their pain following an auto accident or some sort of 
spine trauma that their spinal cord was inflamed. So I happened to pick the frequency to reduce inflammation and the frequency to target the spinal cord. So there's a frequency for a condition, frequency for tissue, and we reduced inflammation, 40 hertz, and targeted the spinal cord, 10 hertz, and on, let's see, 99, we did 25 patients. Um, 25 patients that came in with their pain at an average of a 7.4 on opiates. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. opiates for this kind of pain, it just fixes it so you don't mind it so much. Mm-hmm. 25 out of 25, pain went from an average of a 7 to an average of 1. Wow. So I presented that, those, yeah, it was extraordinary. And I presented those cases at a Grand Rounds at NIH in 2000, March, I think, um, thanks to Jay Shaw. He's a physiatrist at NIH that was interested in the myofascial pain work. And um, and at the end of the 60-minute lecture, I said, we've done this 25 times. There's nobody it doesn't work on. And nobody's going to believe it unless we have something objective. So mm-hmm. Terry Phillips was a microimmunochemist, and he came up and said, I can tell you what's changing. So we mm-hmm. got a patient in, took a blood spot, put it on special blotter paper, and sent that to Terry. Took the blood spot before treatment, and then at different about every 20 to 30 minutes during a treatment. And in 90 minutes, this patient went from an av- from a pain level about an eight and a half down to a zero. Mm-hmm. And four weeks later, we got the data back. And what happens when you run that frequency combination in that patient group is that they're, all of their inflammatory cytokines, which are peptides that mediate inflammation, drop at logarithmic rates, like 45-degree angle down, um, by factors of 10 to 20 times. And it's like, okay, there's something clearly changing. And the endorphins go up by a factor of 10 times. So they went from 8 to 88. And um, the patients get, frankly, stoned. It's, <laughs> they just, it's like giving them half, half a cc of Versed for people that are familiar with that drug. Yeah. Maybe a cc. They can still wake up. You can house them, but they would rather keep their eyes closed. And their pain's gone. It's zero. Hmm. Now, it takes repetition. I've only had two patients out of over 300 that got better in one one session. One was a woman. One was a police officer. It was a man. The rest of them, you have to keep the pain below a four for six to eight weeks, and then the endocrine system recovers, the nervous Mm -hmm. system recovers, the spinal cord heals itself, the discs repair themselves, and the average recovery time for fibromyalgia is four months. Wow. They no longer meet the diagnostic criteria, usually at the end of eight to 12 weeks, but then it takes some time to rehab and recondition. So that's that's the history, and I, I started teaching it in 97, really, to find out if it was reproducible. I kept teaching it once we found out it was reproducible. I kept teaching it because it would be immoral not to. And um, so I'm now taught in the U.S., um, Ireland, Australia, Germany, um, uh, Kuwait. We have 25 medical physicians in Kuwait. It was approved for Category 1 CME credit by the Kuwaiti um, Physical Medicine and Rehab Association. So it's uh, 
it just keeps working. And I, I teach it. It's like teaching a language. And then the physicians who learn it and use it have to figure out how to implement it. Mm-hmm. And um, to hear the people at Cleveland Clinic um, and, and, and Walter Reed and St. Mary's and the Spinal Cord Institute in, in Denver and Chicago, hear what they're doing in, um, in patient rehab and recovery is really quite extraordinary. So the fact that it's, it's working, it's reputable, um, is just incredibly uh, rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was fascinated by that. And it, um, the help that it gives for people who have post-traumatic stress uh, yeah. is probably a lot of what's happening at Walter Reed, I would guess. The, the challenge they have at Walter Reed, they're actually doing more with the pain syndromes at Walter okay. Reed. Um, the, the challenge they have at Walter Reed is that the PTSD protocol takes two hours, and they don't have that kind of a time slot. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be with the patient. There's nothing hands-on about it. It's automated. It's been in use for 10 years. We haven't found anybody it doesn't work on. Punch a button, leave the room. Mm-hmm. And then after the first, it's about eight sessions in six weeks. And the the symptoms start changing after the first or second session. They stop having nightmares. The flashbacks get easier. Then you have to with. Um, reduce medications until you get down to what they actually need or what they don't need at all um and but it's it's two hours it takes time so we have we have it just it just takes time because you're treating all of the brain parts now it's theoretically we could shorten it but the problem is that one of our practitioners developed this protocol and we we don't know what piece of it is crucial Uh it's it's been in use we've been testing it for 10 years we got probably 20 25 practitioners in the ptsd special interest group and um they've been using it for 10 years Uh so we have lots of case reports it never doesn't work it always works we just don't know which parts of it are crucial so we don't know how to shorten it Mm -hmm. and uh, nobody wants to <laughs> right. And it's, you know, it's important so, so, to also uh, note that w- something that you said in the book that um, you can't use the wrong, you can't damage yourself. Like if you use the wrong frequency, it's not going to be a problem, but you just know when it works. You you right. know, it, you can tell when it's the right frequency and that's what you work with. Sometimes you're even having to guess a little play around with it a little bit and and using your intuition as you described to um identify if it's inflammation or you know scar or scar tissue or you know so the the um that was the first thing george and i did was use it on ourselves my kids our neighbors to find out if if the frequency was incorrect would it do any harm so they either work or they don't work there are only two exceptions to this one is um, when a patient has an infection that you don't think is an infection, so somebody has a um, had knee surgery and the, the knee is still painful but the white count is normal and nobody has identified an infection, you run the frequency to reduce inflammation and the frequency overrides the signaling that causes the immune system to respond for infection and it turns off inflammation well during the two and a half to three hours that the 
the inflammation is turned off, the infection proliferates because mm -hmm. the immune system is using inflammation as a way of containing the infection. So that is the actual the one frequency uh, precaution um, contraindication, if you will, is you can't use the frequency to reduce inflammation if there is an infection present. Mm -hmm. And then the other frequency that's that's uh, there's a precaution about is if a patient has a new injury that's less than six weeks old and you run the frequencies to dissolve scar tissue, it will dissolve the scar tissue and the body needs that repair tissue to heal so it'll it'll set back healing. So that those inadvertent responses were part of the way we actually found out that the frequencies always do exactly what they're described as doing, whether that's what you intend to do or not. Uh -huh. Right? Mm -hmm. So frequency to increase secretions increases secretions. So if you increase secretions in the lung, that creates a problem. Mm-hmm increase secretions in the nerve in a patient with nerve atrophy that is helpful mm -hmm. so you have to be aware fsm practitioners in general have to be brighter than the average bear because mm -hmm. the frequencies will do exactly what you tell them to do and only what you tell them to do mm -hmm. so uh, the, the practitioners have to be aware like there's a frequency for increase increasing secretion and there's a frequency for the kidney well the kidney is an endocrine organ and you some of the secretions of the kidney are good and some of the f secretions of the kidney increase blood pressure change red blood cells you don't want to increase secretions in the kidney mm -hmm. so all of those precautions are what i teach in this four-day seminar we teach the frequencies how to use them and we also teach where to be careful mm -hmm. that's pretty important you know, yeah. something else that you brought up in the book that um, I thought was really intriguing um, in the chapter on more than frequencies, uh, yeah. it's something that I've noticed, and I had fibromyalgia for 18 years, um, but don't have any of those symptoms anymore. But you talk about an important issue that I, is often overlooked. You might be able to help somebody re relieve their pain with the FSM, but people who've had chronic pain for quite a while have a transition from being a pain patient to being pain-free. Oh, it's, that was, in the fibromyalgia group, that was a really important discovery, was we had um, 58 patients, and out of the 58, there were 13 that, every all 58 had their pain go from an average of a 7 to an average of a 1. Right. So they all got out of pain. Out of that group, there were 13 that, that came for one or two, maybe three sessions, and then stopped coming. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't treatment side effects. It wasn't treatment cost. It was they stopped coming. And it took me a number of years to figure out that what we were doing basically created an existential crisis that is unparalleled in medicine. If you've been in pain for 14 years, and at the end of 90 minutes, you are out of pain, who are you? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So five, ten years down the track, um, I've we found frequencies to help with that by dealing with the part of the brain that amplifies pain. So the amygdala and the midbrain um, is the part that effectively identifies 
you with your pain and it creates central sensitization. So um, it's, I think we're more successful with helping people through this transition. And these days I warn them. It's like, this is, this is what's coming. Mm-hmm. Everything is different. It's not going to be, usually the pain relief is not permanent. Mm-hmm. When the pain comes back, it's not going to be any worse, but you're going to mind it more. It will, it will frighten you and it'll make you angry. Mm-hmm. So just hang in there. And by the second or third treatment, patients come in expecting it to work. Mm-hmm. After the first one, they're skeptical. After the second one, they're less skeptical. After the third one, they come in at the third or fourth session and say, okay, let's get me out of pain. This is annoying. Mm-hmm. These days we have home units where people can keep themselves out of pain um, uh, on an ongoing basis because that's basically what it takes to get rid of the fibromyalgia is to keep your pain below a four for um, four to six weeks and then the endocrine system seems to recover. It's pretty fun. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that, it, uh, you know, and I've, I've sometimes asked a person, what would they see them doing themselves doing if they were pain free? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. would, what would their life look like? And uh, because it really is quite a transformation. And you describe that people who aren't so much identifying themselves as a pain patient, but ready to get rid of it and ready to move on, um, are more successful. Mm-hmm. And making the change, they're easier. Yeah, they're easier to easier to treat because they're that's they already see themselves there. Um, I have never successfully gotten a patient to recovery who was on a fentanyl patch. Uh-huh. No offense to fentanyl, but it's just too addictive. They can't they can't make that transition. Mm-hmm. And the other universal non success are the the two patients I've treated that were. Um, uh, chairman or president of of the fibromyalgia group right in two right. different cities so if if their if their identity is involved in being a fibromyalgia patient mm-hmm. then who are they if they recover that's, mm-hmm. that's nothing against the patient it's just one of the realities of our life right 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 so it's there's another thing that comes up um, there are frequencies for different emotional states and there are some practitioners that make the assumption that certain pain syndromes or symptoms are emotional in nature. The patient's anger or fear or grief or whatever is creating this pain. So over the years, there is a frequency for those emotions. And if it doesn't work, it's not emotional. So I've tended away from um, uh, that assumption that patients' pain is due to their emotional state because so many of the patients I've seen have been in pain, been told it was all in their head, been told it was emotional, and it's a disc facet. It's something fairly easy to fix. Abdominal adhesions and pelvic pain, if that was the only thing we did, it would be um, miraculous. It, mm-hmm. It's the frequencies actually dissolve scar tissue in the abdomen. And mm-hmm. these patients who've been in pain for 5, 10, 15 years become pain-free. Um, 
part of the challenge we have with NC specific is that it's good for too many things. Mm-hmm. There's a it makes it suspect, right? Snake mm-hmm. oil. It's like mm-hmm. no, it's just physics. But there's a frequency that the only thing it's good for is acute shingles. Mm-hmm. And I, a friend of mine used that here, and it was very successful. Yes. Yeah. We haven't found anybody it doesn't work on. Yeah. So in the acute phase of shingles, they're out of pain generally in 20 to 30 minutes, but you have to run it for two hours to actually abort the attack to mm-hmm. stop it. Mm-hmm. So they're pain free and the lesions are gone in two to two hours. The lesions dry up overnight. That's crazy. Right. Kidney stone pain. There's one frequency combination for pressure in the ureter. Only thing it's good for is kidney stone pain. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Well, you know, it's a lot of people don't understand. I mean, it's it does sound. Um, it's it's hard to get your head around it if you're not used to this kind of <laughs> yes. technology. But so use the example that you use about the car fob. Okay, so we are used to as a culture, we are used to drugs and even supplements as therapeutic they have a predictable reproducible effect on body chemistry and drugs and and nutrients work to change the way your cells work the way your key goes into your car door lock and changes the cell membrane receptors like a key in a lock it lands on them causes a change in configuration and the the receptor goes from Closed to open, Mm -hmm. open to closed. And the frequencies work by signaling. So the frequencies change cell membrane receptor configuration and cell function the same way your key fob opens that same car door lock Mm -hmm. with a signal Mm -hmm. from 20 feet away. Or the trunk. Or Or all all the doors. Yes, exactly. Right. Turns on the lights. Might even start the car. Oh, I wish I had one of those. <laughs> so, yeah, so the the it's it's a it's a paradigm that is easier to talk about now that we have key fobs that open our car door from 20 feet away because right. the analogy is perfect. Drugs are like the key in a lock. The frequencies are like the magnetic signal, the key fob that opens the door. Right. Same same effect, just a different mechanism for doing it. Mm-hmm. And both are equally credible. It's just physics. Just physics. Right. It's, I have been, um, we've had people who wanted to make it pretty woo-woo. Oh, it's electromagnet. It's like, no, it's just physics. Mm-hmm. It's biophysics. It's predictable. It's reproducible. It is consistent. Um and there are mechanisms within the biophysics community that make sense for how it works. And those mechanisms match what we observe in the clinic. So it's um, it's the perfect um, combination of clinical science and physical science that that explains what we're doing and, and uh, propels the research forward. So right now we have groups around the country that are doing clinical research just to document the effects. And we're trying to work with um, genetics companies that can measure the changes in um, cell membrane structure and genetic expression 
because when the when the frequencies change the cell membrane receptors, those receptors change cell function. Mm-hmm. The only thing that explains the drop in inflammatory cytokines and the drop in lipoxygenase and cyclooxygenase is that the cell's genetic expression changes dramatically and very quickly. Mm-hmm. So those those inflammatory products just disappear they just drop but they all stop in the normal range Mm -hmm. the only way that could happen is cell signaling well and that all happened that was the story back where you had the fibromyalgia patients with the blood where you took the blood during the treatments and could identify those cytokines and that was a game changer as you describe in the book presenting to a group of people I mean, they they couldn't argue with that, and it was, it, it, there were a lot of drop jaws. I would think. There were. I mean, to this day, anybody that that knows cytokine chemistry, and at the time we got that data, I didn't know anything about it. There wasn't Google. There wasn't Wikipedia. It was March, or it was. So I didn't know whether it was significant or not. So I was presenting it at the Institute for Functional Medicine, and I showed the raw data to Jeff Bland, who's the one that started uh, the functional medicine movement. And um, he said, call Michael Ruff. He and Candace Pert did the original work on cytokines, and he'll be able to tell you whether that is significant. So I called him, and I said, he said, yeah, um, and I just needed some advice about cytokines. He said, sure, what are the numbers? And I said, well, interleukin-1 goes from 392 down to 21. And the line got really quiet. He said, what time frame? I said, well, 90 minutes. He said, that's not. And it was like the line went dead. Mm-hmm. And he came back on and he said, that's not possible. Cytokines are hard to change. And when they change, they change slowly over months. And uh, I said, no, they're not. They're all like that. So we had data on interleukin-1, interleukin-6, interferon gamma, TNF-alpha, CGRP, a whole raft of cytokines. And uh, who did your data? I said, uh, uh, Terry Phillips, the same guy that does your data. He said, well, he's the best in the world. He said, I have absolutely no idea what you're doing, but it's extraordinary. So it took really 15 years to get a, a real appreciation for what, where, and how extraordinary these changes are. And the, because they all stop in the normal range, the only thing that explains them is that we're changing cellular genetics by changing cells signaling. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with the anti-cytokine drugs, the biologicals that they're using in autoimmune conditions is they drop the cytokines below the normal level and then the patients get infections and cancer. So there is a certain level of cytokines that you need to prevent infection and prevent cancer. Hmm. And when you don't have them, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So the frequencies drop them like a stone, but stop in the normal range. So we, our side effect profile and our long-term outcomes are extraordinary. There are no, no apparent long-term risk. So you can drop inflammation like a rock and not affect your gastrointestinal system, your GI system. Mm-hmm. It's not like taking acid. Mm-hmm. It's, the, the inflammation's going to, the prostaglandins are going to be down for 24 to 48 hours. <clears throat> 
it's not like taking Celebrex where it's going to be down for 24 to 48 hours. It's down for four to six hours. It gives your body time to get on top of it mm-hmm. and and go back to normal function. So it's just been a, a just a, a wonderful learning curve for mm-hmm. how the body works, what causes what kind of pain. Mm-hmm. So there are times when when we do a, a practicum in a seminar, low back pain, there are muscle spasms or tightness, just tight, tight muscles in the psoas. It's a big muscle in the abdomen mm-hmm. and the quadratus lumborum, this big low back muscle. Well, we treat the muscle, treat the nerve, treat the disc, nothing changes. When we, and it took 10, 12 years to figure out to do that, when we treated scarring in the ureter so the kidney the ureter runs right along the psoas in the front and if you these patients where this works all had kidney infections kidney stones Hmm. uh, bladder infections that inflamed the ureter caused it to stick to the front of the psoas fascia Mm -hmm. cerebellum tightens that muscle and Mm -hmm. creates back pain wow if you remove that muscle you would injure the ureter, which is important. So muscles are tight, patient has back pain, people work on them, they stretch their psoas, they stretch the low back. We dissolve the adhesions between the ureter and the fascia. Uh-huh. The muscle relaxes, the pain goes away, and it's instant and it's permanent. Who who would have guessed no. this 20 years ago? Yeah. Well, you have to be a detective when you're doing this to, to yeah. figure out... And and really know your anatomy. It certainly helps. I I did well in anatomy in school, but I lived with Netter, which is an illustrated anatomy book. I lived with it open on my lap or on the counter next to me for five years. Yeah. And that's how I actually learned anatomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, there's just so much that um, you're able to address. Um even though emotional, like for fibromyalgia, it's not all in the, all in their head. But sometimes, you found there were uh, instances where the only way you could get uh, the pain to improve or be relieved is using some of the emotional frequencies because of what was happening at the at the time. And and so the history became even more important to you in determining which frequencies you were going to use. Exactly. And so the the lawyer that had low back pain, and I did his usual stuff, sets and mugs, and it didn't work. Right. And then I just ran the frequency for um, grief, uh-huh. and his low back started to relax and ran through the different emotional frequencies, and it turns out that he was having trouble in his marriage, and that's how we got rid of his back pain. So... Mm-hmm. When it's emotional, that's what works. It's right. just fascinating. Mm-hmm. So how do how can we? I know that people listening are going to want to find a practitioner. I know you have um, on your website a list of practitioners. What what would you recommend that people do to to find somebody in their area? Well, first I recommend. And they read the resonance effect so that they know what they're getting into. That I agree. Book has really been easy to uh, an entree to how it was developed what it does what you can expect 
Um, Frequencyspecific.com is our website. We have about 1,800 practitioners in the U.S. and some odd in Australia, 120 or 30 in Ireland, um, and then scattered around the world. There are other ones. And we have a practitioner list on the website um, that we're hoping is now closer to correct. It was wrong for quite a few years, and then the last... Uh, about three days ago, it went live with the new updated practitioner list. I suggest that when you find somebody in your area, you can put a zip code in. It'll locate a practitioner. Call that practitioner and see if they're comfortable treating what you have. See if they still do FSM because it doesn't suit everybody's intellect. doesn't suit their, their practice model or their time schedule. Um, it's... it's um, it's not something that suits everybody, so not everybody that started with FSM has continued. Yeah. So call the office, find out if they're comfortable treating what you have. So if what you have is abdominal pain and pelvic you know, adhesions, and this person is a physical therapist and specializes in necks and shoulders, it's, you have to make sure it's a good fit. Right, right. There are practitioners around the country that treat um, macular degeneration. We have a published paper on um, the other practitioners around the country. Um, it's not part of their scope of practice, and I don't recommend that they treat um, macular degeneration, but in early to middle stage, it's effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if, um, if people so have a, a question, um, can they get more information at, um, at your office? Yes. Okay. Right. There'll be contact us. Uh, on the website, or you can call 360-695-7500. That's the, the office phone number. Okay. Um, or you can you can communicate by email on the website. There's a contact at FrequencySpecific.com. Perfect. Um, okay, they, and, and people also want to, uh, I'm sure, like me, find out how to learn more and attend your classes. So that's also available on frequencyspecific.com. Uh, right. So people feel, we, I hope that people will um, visit those sites and uh, read your book because it was, it, it's a game changer for me, I'll tell you. That's great. I'm really glad to hear it. Yeah, the yeah. seminars have gone from two days to three days, and this fall they finally went to four days. It's uh, nine to six. We're in Jacksonville and Chicago, um, Jacksonville in September, Chicago in October, Cleveland Clinic. It will be, we think, approved for Category 1 Continuum Medical Education Credit. Um, Phoenix is in February, Portland, um, and then we have the schedule set for next year. Wow. Um, that's on the website. Is, yeah. That's, that's a full schedule. Well, I appreciate you making time well, for yes. us today. <laughs> My pleasure. Getting the word out is the is the is the next step. is is the step is not only to to get people to get to their practitioners, but to get relief to patients. That's why we do this. Right. Is to find relief for patients who have really no other good answers in medicine. There's, right. It's um. So yeah, I'm happy to do the interview. Good. Well, thank you. It's, I appreciate it's been having a real pleasure. And listeners, you can learn more about Dr. McMakin and uh, frequency-specific microcurrent at their website. Again, we've mentioned it several times, but it's www.com. 
www.frequencyspecific.com. And then Brittany or Kevin can help you find a practitioner if you need more help than what's on their website. You can contact them at 360-695-7500. And listeners, we would love to hear from you. Please, please visit our website at wongbakerfaces.org or email us at wongbakerfaces at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us today and thank you for making a positive difference in someone's life. Have a great day. This has been another great episode of Faces of Pain Care. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss any of the new episodes. And be sure you check our previous shows for more information that will keep you informed and inspired.